Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. One, two, three. What is now? On ESPN Radio. So we have listened to this artist on this show before, but I had never heard that song. And yesterday, Rod sent it over, and uh, I listened to it three times in a row. Fun times. Happy Friday. Welcome back. Nuanas now. Hour number two coming at you, coming in hot. Rod James Seabrook rolling with me, Coulter Nuanas. Thanks so much for hanging out with us and uh, ending your week with us. You want to stream the show? You always can. 1029ESPN.com or on the ESPN MT app. That's why I'm changing out the art. I'm seeing uh, how the different pictures and paintings look uh, on the wall. So, I don't know, a rotation of, I guess, the former inside decorations of my home. Nuanas <laughs> Galleria. <laughs> exactly. Uh, give, so, by the way, missing anything in the show, you can always find it on the Nuanas Now podcast, probably mm-hmm. presented by Blackfoot Communications, the M Store, and the Montana State Bookstore. Give people the breakdown there uh, of the, uh, the artist. Well, that was Del the Funky Homo Sapien. Yeah. Coming off his, uh, that was the first single off his first album way back in like 19, I want to say maybe nine, 94, 90, early 90s. Early 90s, 90, yeah. somewhere between 90 and 93, actually. Um, sorry that I, I don't have the, the historical uh, pulse today, folks. But uh, what was cool about Del was Dell was actually from the West Coast, heavily influenced by the jazziness and the hooks of the East Coast, and brought that over to the Bay Area. He went on to be the leader of the Hieroglyphs, which gave us Domino, uh, uh, Souls of Mischief, and everything else that came out of the Hieroglyphics crew, uh, which we actually played a little earlier in the 93 Till Infinity in particular. Uh, what he also became uh, famous and infamous for as well was his alter ego, Deltron 3030, which kind of took hip-hop on a different path. He had some great collaborations with the gorillas, which people uh, probably know him from a different vein of fame due to that single in particular. Um, so yeah, Dell's been around for a very long time, uh, more of a uh, an underground uh, underground artist, but also the first cousin to Ice Cube. Uh, a lot of people don't know I didn't about know that, that until you told me that uh, earlier. Well, there, there's another historical uh, familial note. Uh, he for has him. a lot of albums. He's bro. got I'm a like ton to of look, albums, I'm man. To look like through all these to see what, when this album actually. I think 91. 91 was, I was his debut. Yeah, album, I was but, a, the, but this actually might have been on his second album in 93 so uh yeah but he he's produced a lot of music he's produced a lot of music and um he's a he's a pretty 
I would liken him for the modern day, you know, for the younger crowd, you know, because we all kind of get stuck generationally with our music. If I had to compare him with an artist that has come out in the last 20 years, he was Kid Cudi before Kid Cudi was Kid Cudi. Good. Um, That's a really good parallel. Yeah, it's a really good parallel. Smooth flow. Smooth flow. Uh, a little low key, um, but also like a little bit low key intellectual, right? But very, very smart. Yeah. But also someone who struggles with addiction and depression and anxiety sure. himself. So, uh, much like Kid Cudi, Dell was, uh, you know, I would say the godfather of I would say uh, jazz influenced rap for the Bay Area uh, of Northern California from back in the day. So we tip our hat to Dell, the Q-tip of the West Coast, if you will. And uh, yeah, go check him out for a little something different coming out of the West Coast. We highlighted a couple great uh, Missoula. Uh, high school products that are headed on to elevated opportunities at the collegiate level in sports, but a couple other kids from around the state that have had some news uh, recently that have been featured uh, talking points on this show, Weston Brown of Bozeman High School. Uh, we, we reported on him winning the two-mile at the Nike Outdoor National Championship, so that's pretty darn good. National Championship to cap your high school career. He's headed to Princeton, uh, but he also received the Montana Track and Field Gatorade Athlete of the Year Award recently. I found this surprising. He's the first ever, first ever male to win the Gatorade Athlete of the Year in both cross-country and track and field. It's happened in girls' track and field a couple times, but it's never happened in boys' track and field. Very interesting. Broke the mold and has created a new one in their wake. Well, that's how you get to go to Princeton. <laughs> so, go Tigers. Uh, Jacob Anderson is a, a young man from Billings West who joined us last year when he first committed. He'll uh, hopefully be a part of our Senior Spotlight Series as well. He's a Billings West graduate, and he is headed to Oregon State to play football. Um, there's sort of a dichotomy in that narrative, right, Raji? And there's uh, the talking point that... There is not nearly as great or, I guess, as prolific a number of offensive linemen coming out of Montana as they as there used to be. Almost, you know, in the 80s, 90s, and 2000s, Montana and Montana State's offensive lines were largely built on Montana kids, if not exclusively. Totally. And now, you know, I mean, the Cats got one starting offensive lineman from Montana, Justice Perkins, their center. The Grizz, I don't think, have any. Uh, coming in. I guess Journey Grimshaw from Hundley Project started the last say, there's month. One. Of, there was the one. last month of the season this last year. Um, but Chris Walker's an out of state guy at left tackle. Brandon Casey at right tackle. AJ Forbes at center, and uh, oh, and, and Hunter McGinnis at guard. So yeah, the Grizz have just the one Montana offensive lineman as well. But that's the dichotomy: is that I do agree there's not as a prolific of number of offensive linemen coming out of Montana. But the other thing that I, I think is hurting the Montana schools is. That the best offensive linemen, guys like Dylan Rollins a couple of years ago, or guys are leaving like the state. Jacob Jacob Anderson, these guys are going out. Of, they're, they're getting recruited by the Power Five now. Well, and the, but hey, there's a t- there's two sides to every coin, right? And two sides to every story. The parallel to that too is Montana used to be famed for its offensive linemen coming out of like farming uh, 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 backgrounds sure. and, and and things of that and and ranching and all of that. That part of Montana has died off in the last 20 years. Well, there's just it, there's just a necessity for way less, less people. people. Right. So some of those guys... Uh, the industrialization that, of farming has severely impacted the population base in eastern Montana, for sure. Totally, where a lot of those great offensive linemen it's of true. yesteryear came out of. It's so true. like it's true. the culture of our society has changed, so then players by proxy have also changed due to the fact that they're not out there bucking bales at four in the morning on top of going to lifting, on top of going to two-a-days. I also think that everybody's figured... And this is the Mike Leach influence, man. I think that... High school coaches around the country, but even in Montana, have figured out that the best way to do a lot with a little is to actually run is to run the spread. Run the spread. 
you get the ball. You can you can isolate your best guys and get them the ball, and that's Put it. The, get, get the guys in space and do it. That was the other reason why Montana used to produce such great offensive linemen. Everybody was just putting such a high priority on just running the rock. Smash mouth. <laughs> right. And now you don't have that nearly as much. You don't need the big, you don't need the big guys that can buck bales. You need guys that are, you know, 285 and can run a 45 flat. Yeah. You know, sure. the, the the athlete within an offensive lineman has changed. A couple other uh, Montanans go into elevated opportunities. Reed Harris, a young man from Great Falls High, who joined Shoot. us uh, a couple weeks ago. He Stud. was one of our first senior spotlight subjects. Uh, he's going to Boston College to play football. So Boy, that's, he's uh, yoked. He is. That's an understatement, man. Yoked. The picture of him on top of the podium after he won the 200 meters, I was like, dude. <laughs> I know. It, it's this unfair. Is, this guy is frightening. I mean, this young man is 6'5", 225 pounds, and he's the state champion in the 200 meters. It, he is a uh, absurd-looking athlete. I mean, well, he, he's just so big and strong. He looked like... The second, third, and fourth place finishers combined still weren't as big as, as Mr. Reed. Sure. Like, it was ridiculous. He didn't even need to stand on the podium. <laughs> he looked like Godzilla ready to fight Monster. Unbelievable. But I will, it'd be so interesting to see because I, I do think the young man has taken a, a risk, but a calculated risk to go across the country. And uh, he talked about it on the show. He said, I, I want to go really far away from home and be uncomfortable and, and experience things. And Boston College is a heck of a good school. So, uh, and you know, you, you're playing in the ACC. So, uh, pretty good challenge for a young man out of Great Falls High. Uh, a couple other ones that I, I um, saw that I thought were notable. Max Cluck of Butte is going to join the Utah Nordic Ski Team. That's not necessarily a track. We, we've had some Alpine skiers, certainly that have been Division One recruits at the college level, but not necessarily. Usually, the Nordic teams are are made up of almost exclusively of European students, and so uh, cool for somebody from Montana to get that chance, uh, let alone Butte. And then another one I thought was a little bit unique: uh, Dana Lirum of Manhattan Christian going to MIT to run track. I didn't even know MIT had track, but when you see MIT, that itself uh, a great challenge. Uh, as well. The one is now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Hope you're having a great uh, end to your week. Hope you're having a phenomenal summer. Thanks so much for spending some time with us. You want uh, to be a part of the show. By the way, I, I queued you up. 406-888-1029 is how you get a hold of us. You can call or text 888 I queued you up, uh, I guess, week before last, before we went on vacation. Uh to let us know what you wanted to talk about, we still have all those texts. And so that will make up uh, at least part of the show next week. We addressed sort of uh, broadly as the texts were coming in, uh, but we'll hash out a lot of that stuff. I want to give, uh, uh, give, give me something. I, I, I will. Uh, but we got to keep playing smart or dumb, but also just uh, keep on engaged. 406 888 Rajiv Seabrook uh, kicking it with us here uh, on Nuanas Now. I'll bring, I'll bring one up for sure. Dude, this stuff's dangerous. <laughs> we were both like kind of dragging. We're like, man, it's a little hot. I'm feeling a little tired. Long week. No, it wasn't a long week. I was off for three days this week, so I can't complain at all. I think Poor that's actually. Baby. I think that's actually why I'm dragging is because you, you get used to the relaxation, right? Yeah, and then you realize you, the that's chill like during feels football. Good. I don't ever get tired until the end because like go 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 go. go, go. go. You, no doubt. you get all wound up. Uh, all right, what do we got for smart dumb? Do you have one or do do we want Andrew to chime in? What do you want to do? I want you know hit it up, Andrew. Let's right, go, baby. Right, what do you got? Uh, smarter dumb, Damian Lillard for demanding to be traded only to Miami. Oh, man. Mm. Well, so let me uh, ask this. Damian Lillard, am I correct in saying, does not have a no-trade clause? 
Yes, that's correct, because nobody except the Washington Wizards <laughs> are stupid enough to give anybody a no-trade clause. <laughs> Bradley Beal had one. <laughs> it's amazing. That's, great. that's the uh, only one in the league. Uh, for sure. Carmelo Anthony ruined the no-trade clause for everybody. For everybody. And, and then there, there just really hasn't been one put in since then. And uh, Bradley Beal had one, and then he got traded to the Suns, and, and here we are. Um I personally want Damian Lillard to land in Miami. I think that's an excellent fit. I think he fits with Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. Even if you have to give up Tyler Hero to get him, I still think that's an upgrade. He's a better option on the ball than Kyle Lowry. I think he's a dog. I think he wants to win. I think that that will fit in with Butler and, and Bam. And I also think it fits perfectly with Eric Spolstra. I don't know how Dame is going to acclimate to living on the other side of the world. I mean, he's only ever been a West Coast guy. Oakland, Portland, and Ogden, Utah, the only places he's ever been. How does he, you know, acclimate to the lifestyle of Miami? I don't know. But he's, he's, you know, I mean, he's 35 years old, so I don't necessarily think, I think he's a mature enough person, first of all, to not get eaten up by moving mm-hmm. to South Beach. Mm-hmm. But I just, I just think that, I, I think it's smart only because I think that the, the I think it's not only the best, but the only opportunity that Damian Lillard has to truly contend for an NBA championship is Miami. And that's only because of the way that the assets all work. If Dame could somehow end up with the Lakers, he could contend for a championship. But he's he can't do it because they can't get him because the way the contracts work out. I think that of the places that could actually make a run at Dame, I think it's Miami. So I, I think it's smart. I agree. I'm going to side with Coulter, Andrew. There's no other place that he can go right now. Outside of Dame leaving, like no one else has anything to give to Portland in exchange for him. Like right now, that's that would be the best fit for him personally and professionally. I also think that Jimmy Butler, if you look back a year, or, well, not a year ago, just a couple of a months ago, um, he was one player away from being able to, right. to to win the NBA Finals. And if you get someone of his caliber and of his ilk to kind of compliment a Jimmy Butler, the sky's the limit, especially in a watered down East Coast. Uh, Eastern Conference, right? I, I also th- think this uh, in, in the NBA. We judge everything through the lens of rings in the NBA. I think that's fair and what makes it fun, but I also think sometimes it becomes unfair. Guys that consistently win more than they lose and win a little bit in the playoffs, but don't win a lot in the playoffs, a lot of times then we just forget about all of it. Because mm-hmm. we say this guy wasn't in the finals or, or you know, wasn't winning rings, yeah. right? There's been this narrative sort of spun, and I've seen this on Twitter the last couple of days, that Damian Lillard has been in this completely downtrodden, dysfunctional, terrible situation. That's not the That's case. That's not the case. The Blazers are perennially playoff contenders. Uh, I shouldn't oh. say contenders, but they, they, the Blazers have been. I, I actually bet you that if you did the math in my lifetime since I was born in 1987. I You're bet you, so young. I bet you that the Portland Trailblazers have, have made the playoffs as much as any team in the NBA. Uh, and if they were leading the list, it would not surprise me. The Blazers made the playoffs for like 15 years in a row at one point. Then they had a little bit of a blip with the Jailblazers, but then they came all the way back. Dame's been in the playoffs more often than not in his career. He's been to the Western Conference Finals twice. They just haven't been able to get over the top. And a lot of that's just been that they've been in the same conference as the Warriors, the Rockets for a little while when the Rockets were rolling, the Spurs. So I do think that Damian Lillard has been a a great ambassador for the game. He's been among the great ambassadors for the Big Sky Conference in the history of the league in any sport. There is no question but but the narrative that uh, Dame has been locked in jail in Portland forever, you know, let him out, let him really truly contend. 
the Blazers truly were never a, a they were never a true NBA title contender, but they also weren't you know picking in the lottery every single year. The Blazers have been better than they have been bad. They weren't spoken about heavily, but they were always whispered. You and, get what I'm saying and, with that? And, and when you have a when you have a uh, an all NBA player, you're you're always going to be in the conversation all the time, man. You know who I like in Dame too, as far as like career um, accomplishments, getting there but not getting over the hump. Dan Marino. Ooh, interesting, right? No one talks about Dan anymore, for sure. Because why? He didn't. He doesn't have a ring. Like his stats, quickest release, great wrist rocket, right. all these things. But until you win that ring, you ain't nothing. And I'm not saying that as me for saying sure. that, but just in in the world view. Dane needs that ring almost as bad as Barkley did, almost as bad as Marino does. Sure. You know, to kind of put them over the top. Are they all? Are they? Are they the greats? Yeah, but they're not talking about in almost that one percent conversation of like the Jordans, the LeBrons, exactly, the Bradshaws, the it's, Montanas. It's the Charles Barkley argument. He says guys can be winners without being champions, and that's sometimes where when we think that people aren't mm-hmm. when, when 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 players are objectively not champions, which mm-hmm. is a defined thing. Yeah, then we sometimes pigeonhole them as losers. Even Chris Paul's in this exact boat, right? Oh, Chris dude. Paul's been in the playoffs every single year since he's been in the NBA, pretty much, dude, and he drags some. Pretty average teams, like when they were in New Orleans with the Hornets. I mean, David West is a fine player, whatever. Morris Peterson, that's fine, but like they won a playoff series. That is as good as that team could do. So then to say Chris Paul can't win the big one, I mean, it's the same thing with Charles Barkley, right? Like Barkley, Iverson, Malone, like they were were all pinned as losers, losers. but they're not. They're the best in the NBA besides the guys they lost to, and those are the guys that are the greatest players in the history of the league. Truth. And the thing is, man, only one team's going to win it every year anyway. And, and, And the fact of the matter is you can be great without being a champion. Dominique, great without being a champion. Going back to Marino, great without being a champion. There are so many players from so many different sports who are the all-time greats, but they just aren't champions. And you know what? It's a different category. But not to minimize those efforts, not to minimize all the work that it took to get there. It's just an interesting conversation to have when people when, when the conversation is to be had. Well, it's now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Thanks to our friends down at the Silver Slipper for all their support over the years. Uh, they have a great card game going on again pretty much every night of the week. Uh, they also have a full-service casino, and they have great pizza. Go check out the Silver Slipper there. They on, play go uh, fish down there? Card games? <laughs> what kind of card games are you talking about? <laughs> talking hold them, baby. Uh, not, not too high stakes. I don't know. You can find high stakes if you really want it, though. Um, all right, smart or dumb? This is just bold statements. Oh, uh, I like it. I like it. We're just going to keep rolling on it. Um, smart or dumb, the parting of ways between the Minnesota Vikings and Dalvin Cook. Dumb. <laughs> it's it, I, Man. Dumb. I, I think there's some tread on the tire left. For um, sure. And that's so, why I think the Vikings might actually come out looking smart. Yeah. I, I, if Dalvin Cook still has tread on the tires, though, and he ends up... He's going to end up probably with a contender. Yeah, to me right now, Dalvin Cook and Saquon Barkley are just biting time off of each other. Two bruising backs that have proven to be commodities to their teams. Um, When healthy, have proven to to carry the load, literally and figuratively speaking. Um, I don't know. I think Dalvin Cook got kind of a raw deal in Minnesota. I think for as much as he's done with the most mediocre quarterback in all time, no disrespect, Colts, because I <laughs> no, know that's bro. your team. But like Kirk Cousins, you know what you gotta tell me I can go off for the whole rest of the show about Kirk Cousins being the worst quarterback 
option that you could have in the NFL. He's not the worst quarterback. He's the worst situation you can have in the NFL because it, because he's just going to go 10-8 and eight every year and then he's going to absolutely melt down in the playoffs and they're never going to win a playoff game. Master of mediocrity. And folks, if you can't see I mean, the Mercury out, rising and Colter Nuanez right now, he got I'm watching out, and he almost as red as his shirt. He got out-dueled by your boy Danny Dimes last year. Danny Dollars now, I mean, son. How how bad can you be? <laughs> Pretty bad when you're losing to Danny Duckets. Come on, Dan, brother. Kurt, I actually hadn't thought of that. Kurt Cousins is actually going to be one of the reasons why the New York Giants grossly overpay for Daniel Jones. Amazing. One playoff game. <laughs> and you beat, one and playoff you beat game. This guy. Uh, yeah, I, to me, I can't decide if this is smart or dumb. From the Vikings side, I, I, I'd like to lean on smart only because I think that they know more than everybody else. Dalvin Cook has carried the ball 1,282 times over the last six seasons. He has Oof. been hurt every single year he's been in the NFL. Yes. He's also been a Pro Bowler four years in a row. I know the Pro Bowl doesn't carry nearly the cachet it used to, but, I mean, Devin Cook rushed for almost 1,200 yards and eight touchdowns last year. He averaged 4.4 yards per carry, so it's not like he's some bum. bum. He certainly was a very consistent uh, contributor to their to the Minnesota Vikings offense when he was healthy. But you just have to think that the Vikings are just going to cut him loose and not even try to trade him or anything like that. Uh, you know, and, and, and there was a wonderful article in Sports Illustrated about Dalvin Cook at, going into his second year the young man had as tough of an upbringing as as anybody I've ever read about. Uh, he was arrested dozens of times when he was a young kid, like all, all before he was a teenager. Mm-hmm. But that sort of haunted him. And then the only real big-time program that took a chance on him was Florida State. He just who He's from Florida. And... You know, then his grandmother took him in and got him out of trouble, and uh, he sort of reconciled things, but that was a huge part of why the Vikings took a risk on him. They said, okay, well, we're going to get you away from all of that. We're going to bring you completely away from Florida into a completely different place, and Davin Cook, by and large, thrived with that. Just remembering that article, there's been so much scuttle about how Davin Cook might end up in Miami I just think that that would be a bad situation because I just think a lot of things from his past could come back. So I don't know. I don't. I don't know any of the details as to why the Vikings cut Delvin Cook, but you have to think it's health related, they, or they just want to get out ahead of it as somebody, uh, you know, as, as running backs just can't really take that much of a beating. No, I, I think. Well, one, it's uh, you know the shelf life of a running back in the NFL, unless you're one of the greats, is pretty pretty short for sure. Um, and and medically, they may know things we you know the the general public does not. Um, I I, I kind of think the opposite. I think him having X amount of years away from being in Florida, being in a different situation for him to go back and might actually be refreshing. Sure, there may be some creature comforts there that are a good thing. I guess it just depends on who you surround yourself with, right? And I and I and as my grandfather would say, and you've heard me say it on this show many times, mind the company you keep. Yeah, for sure. Right? And I it's and great I think, advice. And I think that that's um, really important. And you were picked away from that and plucked away from that for a reason. Don't revert back to old tendencies. I'm rooting for the guy. I'm a, I'm a big fan. One of my favorite guys to play on Madden. Just saying. The, the uh, interesting part is that. Uh, Three of the, I guess even four of the teams that need running backs the most in the whole NFL all play in the same division, and three of them are in the mix for Dalvin Cook. They're all out of the AFC East. The New York Jets have at least floated, yep. maybe being interested. The Miami Dolphins are certainly interested, and I think that if you got the best version of Dalvin Cook added to that offense, that's a pretty nice upgrade at running back for New England or for uh, for Miami. New England has also potentially thrown their name in the hat, and then the other one that would be interesting is Buffalo. Buffalo has really struggled to run the ball. That's been the one thing that's been missing for them the last three years. 
Dalvin Cook's brother also plays for the Buffalo. Bills. I would say that would probably be the worst place. Like you get sibling rivalries for under sure. one roof. Like, well, I mean, unfortunately, they would probably add Dalvin Cook and they would cut his cut brother. his brother, which would then like be weird yeah. family dynamics going forward. I would actually, even though everyone knows I'm a Giants fan, I think the Giants are also a viable option. Ooh, because Saquon is going to want too much. He's uh, speaking of well, unhealthy. He, he, he already signed his big contract, right? And if he can he stay healthy enough to get another one? Well, the problem is, is that if you look at his history, his health history isn't the best either. Granted, he was 63% of the New York Giants offense last year, but you can get Dalvin Cook to come in and do a lot of the same things at a third of the rate. I, I think that the Vikings are going to come out ahead on this one. Not, I'm not saying that because I root for the Minnesota Vikings. I just, I just think that history has really told us that that's just how it's going to work. Yeah. Could Dalvin Cook have one or two or three more thousand-yard seasons? He could. He could. Is he going to have six more? No. I almost guarantee you not. No. I mean, Adrian Peterson is a machine, and Adrian Peterson broke down by the end. Of anomaly, his and he's an anomaly. He's, like a, that, he's a total anomaly, yeah. but he still got devastatingly injured multiple times and was a shell of himself by the end of his career. He's, uh, you know, there's I hope this, he's walking in five years. No, hundred percent. But I mean, getting out ahead of it. If you don't get out ahead of it, you could have like the Chiefs had with Larry Johnson, or you could have like the Ravens had with Jamal Lewis. You got these guys rush for two thousand yards, and then two years later they they're unfunctional. And you're, you're Sean f- Alexander, another one, Priest Holmes, Priest Holmes. Yeah, I mean we could go on Eddie George. We could go on, and these are guys are. Way physically more than, than Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook is a great back, but Dalvin Cook's, you know, he's only about 208 pounds. He's certainly a decent Short, size. Nice, kind of slight. He's super fast. That's oh, what Dalvin slashy, Cook does. Slash, slash. We just named some of the biggest battery rams in the league, and those guys fell apart as well. So, uh, more smarter, dumb, more NFL. Right after this, keep it right here. Rajim Seabrook rolling with go. me, Coulter Nuanas. It's Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. television for my money it's the best double album of all time oh ladies it's what <laughs> what hip-hop history here on nuanas now espn radio rajim seabrook riding shotgun with me coulter nuanas are having a west coast type of day it's 50th anniversary of hip-hop in america next month the best of what it's for me though it's completely place in time i know that's a completely jaded and biased view uh, All Eyes on Me was one of the one of the first albums I ever bought. Okay, I, I was like 11 years old. I saved up my money. I got my neighbor to go buy it for me because <laughs> I could, you know, I couldn't buy it without an ID. I had to be 18 years old because parental uh, advisory. I hear you, man. Uh, certainly one of the most prolific moments of two or uh, moments in time of Tupac Shakur's career, and I mean that album is just. From start to finish, it's just it's consistently so unbelievably uh, well polished, but also edgy, and uh, I, I find it so fascinating that you don't like Tupac. I just I never, I never got into him. I think also my stepfather was the master engineer on the Juice soundtrack, and when they were in studio, I I met. Mr. Shakur in a very brief interaction. Interesting. And about what time was that? This is ninety something. I was still in high school. Is this, is this pre or post prison? Pre or post death death row? I think this is. I think this is pre. Pre. Sure. Because to me, his the 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 character in the movie was Bishop, 
And if you look at that character Mm -hmm. and you look at Tupac, after that role, Tupac became Bishop or Bishop became Tupac. And he became a very, he became more paranoid, delusional. He became more uh, uh, reactive and less responsive to things. For sure. And he literally, the persona of that character started personifying him. And I just, and, and that vibe alone, like, I don't want any bishops in my life. Interesting. I mean, love it or hate it, Tupac was prodigious to be sure. He he was so prolific at such a young age and was having a, a, a huge impact. I mean, look at how much music he put out. He was he only lived for 26 years and he, he put out so much music even before his death, let alone all the stuff that was posthumously totally. produced. Um, his poetry is is unbelievable. I mean, the, the poetic element of his rhymes is unbelievable. Uh, that I'm a fan of. Yeah. Like him being a poet, Yes, musician, not so much. Okay, interesting. And I love, I love his poetry. I love his, I love all the stuff he did non musically. Sure, like that stuff I can get behind. Yeah, but I don't know. Since the Juice soundtrack after, man, just a different yeah. situation. His rise and fall uh, was so um, parallel to like so many other prodigies too, right? I mean, he he did he did sort of lose himself and have a hard time handling the fame. What you just said, mind the company you keep. You know, he started minding the company of of guys like Suge Knight, who was the head of Death Row Records, but also a notorious gang member. Totally, and that basically ended up in in them getting shot at and Tupac Shakur getting killed. So, and it's weird um, because like at the same time, Hollywood wanted Tupac and they created right. Ja Rule instead. <laughs> Think about that. Think about that. At the fall, the fall of Tupac gave rise to Ja Rule. Look at listen to Ja's voice, look at the headband and the bald head, the tattoos and the swagger, the body movements. I mean, DMX was supposed to be sort of like a replacement Tupac too, but the DMX was way too crazy for anybody to hold him down. He's like, "Nope." <laughs> He's just like, "Nope, I'm doing it my way." <laughs> him and Frank Sinatra, hundred <laughs> percent, and he was just so transcendent for a brief moment in time that he yes, overwhelmed all of it as well. Yeah, uh, an interesting debate. Uh, Tupac is—he's one of my favorite uh, artists of all time, but also it's because I'm so captivated by his character. Gotcha. Uh, the, the rise and the fall, right? I Absolutely. Mean, and the, so many different iterations of him in such Truth. a short period of time. Truth. I mean, he's only famous for like nine years, and then he was dead. And yep. There was, you know, sort of the East Coast hype boy, digital underground, totally Tupac. party guy, and then straight and then, thug. You know, the, the deep, the deep thoughts from the streets, and Brenda yeah. had a baby, and then like straight kind of party style <laughs> New York rapper, and then boom, I'm in prison, and then all of a sudden I I'm emerge a, I'm as this bishop. movie character, and you're and you're living straight. I mean, a thuggish li- life. Literally, was in the group called Thug Life, and, exactly, and, and started living like that, and yeah. Uh, it's amazing. The, the rise and fall, it's, it's tragic, but it's also just fascinating uh, to me. Nuwana is now ESPN Radio. Here's what we're going to do. We're actually going to take one more break, and then we'll come back, and we'll have a little bit more room to breathe. Uh, some more smart and dumb and some more NFL. Yes, sir. Uh, right after this, keep it right here. 102.9 ESPN Radio. Rod says that Nate Dog is carrying the day for all these guys. Duane is now ESPN Radio, SWX, Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Uh, it must be a hit if Nate Dog's singing on it. Dude, check out every <laughs> collaborative song that Nate Dog was on. It's a banger. Tell me I'm for, wrong. For sure. Hey, 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 hey. 
<laughs> Eat fries every day. Little corrupt, <laughs> little corrupt coming back uh, on your Friday. Uh, Dog Pound underrated, and uh, I, I extremely love, I love Corrupt's two solo albums, and that's actually probably like the least famous song of uh, the Streets as a Mother. Uh, but I it just it just another another nostalgic jam for me. <laughs> Certainly not the best song on the album, but it's a it's a good one for sure. Yeah, he's like the Antoine Jameson of hip hop. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty good. Antoine Jameson uh, scored like twenty point twenty thousand points. Yeah, I'm, Corrupt was all right. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> Jim <laughs> Seaberg rolling with us here uh, on your Friday. Miss anything in the show, you can always find it on the uh, Nuanas Now podcast, probably presented by Blackfoot Communications. Visit goblackfoot.com, as well as the M Store, where they're all grizz all the time, and the Montana State Bookstore, your best place to get blue and gold on game day or any other day, anytime you're on the MSU campus. How about some buy, sell, NFL style? Hit it up, we'll, baby. Let's go. We'll go quick. What you got? How about Trevor Lawrence as a legitimate MVP candidate? Legit buying. You buying? Buying, dude. He's he's nice. Oh, he's so nice. He's nice. Like Jacksonville is actually. You know what? For the first time since Mark Brunel was there, people are like, "Oh, ja- ja- we play Jacksonville," and they're slowly tilting their head, looking over their shoulder, being like, "Oh, for sure. Uh, we need we need to take this seriously." Whereas, you know, five years ago, it's like, "Dude, I'm so glad we get Jacksonville twice on a schedule." I mean, Not anymore. They they made the playoffs last year, right? Or playoffs, they, they were at least yeah. Right they on, they're right on the they doorstep no, of, the, they of did. the playoffs, and um, who knows what's going to happen in Tennessee? You know, Tennessee has been sort of knocking on the door, but also a long ways away at the exact same time. Yeah, Indianapolis has just been kicking the can down the road, just getting another you know thirty nine year old rent a quarterback for a year and just curse over, a noodle neck over and over and over again. And and when are they going to actually you know? How far away is Anthony Richardson? Nobody really knows. Yeah, they're just sort of thwarting this great offensive line and this great defense that they have in Indy. They've just been stuck in neutral, and uh, they can win their conference. I mean, the Jags have legitimately good players on defense. They have above average, if not good, offensive line. And mm-hmm. I, I mean, there's a reason people said Trevor Lawrence was the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck. I mean, he he was a, a once every ten years type of guy. Uh, I think it's a, I'm, I'm buying it as well. I, I think he's going to have to take another big step, but he's taken big steps multiple times already. Well, that and I'm glad you're in in, in cahoots with me on that, Coulter. Uh, the reason why I like it as well is the guys in Jacksonville, because you know I'm an NFL guy. I'm reading all the camp stuff. This guy's saying that these guys are ready to play for Trevor Lawrence too. For sure, there's difference between playing with someone and then wanting to play for them. They he's 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 got them sipping the Kool Aid down well, there in the that, south, and that's where you get. That's where you turn the corner, really, as Bingo. a guy, like as, as a leader, because now you know when you're the the brash. Th- that's why Joe guys like Joe Burrow are so special because they can come in and be the leader right away. Yes, because they just have this like elevated aura to them. Yes, but a guy like and Lawrence has a little bit of an aura as well. But after you've been in the league for four years, you can say, "Hey, we're doing it my way. I know how to do this. Yeah. Follow me." And I, I do. I think that's and especially like you were saying. They have so much young talent on offense. <laughs> Those guys are all like, oh, yeah, that's our quarterback. Let's roll. Oh, that. And, I mean, he's right. And he's a Southern guy. He's a Southern dude, like, right there in the heartland. For sure. Um, culturally, socially, like, he's comfortable. Um, didn't have to travel too far from home to play. Right. Totally. So, you know, it's it, it's a great fit. And I and I think things are are, are pointing upward. Um, the, the Jaguars are trending upward. You also have to just – you know that he's driven – by the the mediocrity, I guess the lack of success early, and then the mediocrity of the t- total team performance, and now they're knocking on the door. I mean, Trevor Lawrence didn't lose hardly any football games in his whole life until he got to the NFL. So you know he's got the 
internal competitive fire, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just assuming, but I'm almost sure that he's probably sick of being anything but, you know, a perennial playoff contender. Uh, speaking of playoff contenders, buying or selling the New York Jets as a playoff team going into this 2023 season. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I can't believe I'm saying this. Mike Motts, defensive coordinator, Sentinel. If you listening, I'm buying the Jets, Man. making the playoffs. Here's, here's, here's. I mean, I, I am too. I'm, I'm with you. I'm buying. The Jets are straight, legitimately good on defense. They're like their number one draft pick and, and number one on their roster. They're saucy. And if, if Aaron, spicy, I sauce. don't think Aaron Rodgers has to be the best quarterback in the league. If he's like anywhere close to the top twelve, ten or twelve quarterbacks in the league. I think they can contend, but also like Aaron Rodgers is only a year removed from winning the NFL MVP. So, uh, I mean, he's one of the all-time greatest quarterbacks. He, he's inseparable. He's hard to to keep up with because he just loves himself so much. But uh, he's a significant upgrade over Zach Wilson or Joe Flacco or Mike White. So. Joe Flacco. <laughs> and, and the Jets were competitive last year, so we'll see. I, I think it's this move to get a Rodge, though, I think it, it flips the narrative around the Jets, and now all of a sudden you have to go perform. I think there's a lot of pressure on Rodgers, but there's always pressure on Rodgers. He's, he's been one of the faces of the league for you know, 12, 14 years. Uh, I think there's a touch, ton of pressure on Robert Saleh, the head coach. He's got to prove that I mean, he was a great defensive coordinator in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. They're better than when he took over, but you got to keep getting better if you want that same opinion of you to remain. I think that they will get better. I think as smug and as trite as Aaron Rodgers could be, he also brings a lot of leadership, a lot of experience, and a lot of knowledge of the game that those young bucks are willing to soak up, including the coach. So I think uh, I, I think we 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 are going to see the dawn of something very interesting out of East Rutherford going forward um, because Aaron Rodgers has a couple of years left. I, I I don't think he's anywhere near kind of like when Brett Favre went to the Jets. Also interesting trajectory. Sure. Um, I don't think it's anywhere near uh, uh, in comparison to that, but I do think the Jets become a nastier, uh, uh, stronger, and playoff-bound team. How about the Bengals have been knocking on the door for – for the last several years, I mean, since Joe Burrow came back from his, his NFL knee injury, he had knee injuries both college and in the pros, since he came back from his NFL knee injury, the Bengals have been right there. They've just had the unfortunate circumstance of being in the same conference as the Chiefs and also uh, having the Bills be at sort of their the height of their powers as well. So the the future's odds for the Super Bowl came out. Mm-hmm. The Chiefs are the, are the favorites. Of course. Followed by the Eagles. I think both of those are fair. Absolutely. Uh, San Francisco... Uh, is is right there at, at three. Uh, you got the Bills, the fourth favorite, and then the, and the Bengals are the fifth favorite. Buying or selling the Bengals is a bigger favorite, though, to move up in that in that hierarchy. How do the Bengals do it? I think I think the it, it, it's tough because the Bengals to me are almost an enigma unto themselves. For sure, um, there's only the one thing I don't think they get enough credit for though. There's only one team that's got in Kansas City and won since Patrick Mahomes has been with the Chiefs, and that's been Cincinnati. That's Cincinnati, and they went to the Super Bowl two years ago. So, yeah. I think that I think that Cincinnati has an I don't want to say easier because they don't have an easy road, but I think their talent uh, propels them over uh, over some of these other teams. I think what we're going to see this year is the ascension of Cincinnati and sort of the the dropping of a Kansas City. You think I, so? I, a little bit. I do a little bit. I think some of the pieces that can some of the moves that Kansas City has made uh, with free agency and within the draft, I think sets them back another year. And then I also think in a year or two from now, Patrick Mahomes' contract will will constrict that team. 
team. Um, the, so, you know, as we talk about two years, two years ago, the year coming and then two years from now, I think we're going to see a little a little shifting of the balance. If um, if Mr. Diggs and Mr. Allen up there in, in Buffalo, up there in Orchard Park can kind of get their acts together. Um, to me, they they are the favorite, but they can't seem to get out of their own way. And Josh Allen, as great as Josh Allen has been, he still makes too many big time mistakes and too many That's big right. time games. Well, they also need to figure out a way to protect him. Both, uh, yes, you need, they need to figure out a way to protect him from himself. Because he runs a bunch, and, and that's going to become more dangerous, more precarious for the Bills as that continues. Agreed. He takes a ton of risks, which when he's rolling, you'd rather not. I mean, he took the, Mahomes down on the wire as well. I mean, that, that mm-hmm. Chiefs-Bills game two years ago in the playoffs, one of the great playoff games in the history of the National Football League, no question. So uh, what I think is that we're – I think it's actually more – I think that the 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 Chiefs, the Bills, and the Bengals are the three contenders, the three teams to beat in the AFC. I think the competition is among everybody else to get in the class of those teams. The, the road to the AFC title is going to go through Kansas City in, until it doesn't anymore. I mean, they've been to the AFC Championship five years in a row. They've been to the Super Bowl three out of the last five years. So they're going to, going to be the team to beat in the AFC until they're not anymore. There's only one guy that's proven he can go into camp. I mean, there's a reason that they were mockingly calling it Burrowhead going into the AFC title game last year because Joe Burrow has had one there three times in a row. But KC gets it done. They they get past a really, really good Eagles team in the Super Bowl. So I don't know, though. I, I think more of the conversation about the AFC is I think you got for sure Kansas City, for sure Cincinnati, and if you can figure some stuff out with Buffalo, for sure Buffalo. The three then, big ones. The and then big. everybody else is just giving chase. And so I think the conversation Absolutely. is more about, like, how does Justin Herbert and the Chargers get in the mix? How does Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars get in the mix? Because mm-hmm. the only way to get into this mix is to have one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. That's the only way you can contend in the in the AFC. Yeah, and the three that you just named from the AFC are three of the best, if if not the best For in sure. no particular order. And look at, I mean, Lamar Jackson is also in that mix, and he's also in the AFC. Absolutely. Oh, gosh. And, they, and, and he finally got... A receiver over over that was in a fourth round draft pick or worse for sure. Even though Odell's a little old and injury prone now, but he still has a he still has a number one finally. So it'll be interesting to see what happens down there with uh, him and Mister Harbar. We'll see. All right, one more buy or sell the San Francisco 49ers rolling with Trey Lance going into this season. That's been the speculation so far. Brock Purdy was. The magic man last he year. He was pretty good. And, and I think that everybody had a hard time believing it was real until it was over. But the kid also played completely lights out last year. And now you're going to maybe gamble and roll the dice on a kid from an FCS school in North Dakota State who was an unbelievable player in college, but he was only in college for one year and he's been nothing but hurt since he's been in the NFL. They moved away from Jimmy Garoppolo to get uh, a, a shot at Trey Lance. And then Who's they, still hurt, by the way. And then they've been begging... For Trey Lance to be the guy for a couple of years, if San Francisco rolls with Trey Lance, what do you think of that? Buy or sell? I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sell it. I think I, I would like to see Purdy there, and not Trey Lance. I think that Purdy adds a little bit of grit um, to that that beautiful red and gold of of the Bay Area. I'm not sure Trey Lance is the answer. I could be eating my words here in a couple of months, but I just, I, I look at what Purdy did in 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 his, I don't know. 12, 12, 14 games. 12, 14 games. And Mr. Irrelevant was looking pretty darn relevant before the injury. The one thing that we haven't been able to see yet, because Trey Lance got hurt the first, I I think, week one or week Week two last year, it was how does Trey Lance's mobility add? 
the, the, the 49ers have the most creative, sophisticated run game in football. It's not close. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's, it's beautiful. unbelievable to watch them walk, run the ball. It doesn't matter who they put at nope. running back. They got the best. They're one of the only teams left that puts high priorities on tight ends and fullbacks and all that stuff. How does a running quarterback who can run the option impact the creativity that Kyle Shanahan could use? You have to think that's why they went after this kid. And I, just, I don't think we're going to know that until we see it. But then that comes with the inherent risk of Trey Lance always being injury prone. So uh, if, if you sort of disenfranchise Brock Purdy, if you can still sort of keep him confident somehow, it might just be a matter of when he gets an opportunity again, too. Yeah, I like the I like the young man, and and I hope that he hope he's hopefully going to bounce back from a horrific accident for sure a, or incident. Um, we'll see, man. But I'm definitely selling that. Rajim Seabrook here in studio every Friday. We'll be back at it next week. Thanks so much for kicking it with us. Have yourself a wonderful weekend. I know that the uh, the holiday's over, but I know a lot of people have been just sort of treating this as a holiday weekend and a holiday week, I should say, leading up to this weekend. So as we always tell you, be safe, be good. We'll see you on Monday at 4 p.m. Thanks so much for listening. Nuana's Now, ESPN Radio. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.